0: G'day everyone, and welcome to Life in the Peloton. I'm Mitch Stocker, your host, and we're back. It's 2023, we're back bigger than ever, and of course, with the continued support of our partners, Rafa. With plenty of shared passions, big ideas, and the love of all things cycling, this is a partnership that just makes sense, and we can't wait to bring you plenty of Life in the Peloton goodness, as we're gonna work together to bring our ideas to life for 2023. I'm here in Adelaide right now enjoying the Tour Down Under with Rafa, with the great events they're doing and great rides with our RCC crew, but actually just anyone who loves cycling over at the pop-up, but just all around the race. It's a great vibe here. Well, now let's hear from RCC member David Murray. Look, I came to the Tour Down Under on the last time in 2020, and I emailed Albie who runs the club out here. I didn't know anyone,
1: but Albie took me in straight away as a person, not just as a member. And then obviously Simon came out and we were doing a lot of personal rides with Simon and Albie, um, but I met people. Now here we are three years later at the Tour Down Under, the first one back. And there are guys that I saw three years ago and they're going, we met you, do you remember me? And now to be honest, I can't remember everyone because you do meet a lot of people. But it's really good to cycle with people that you've met before. And we've been out on a really nice ride today. We've come back for a nice meal. I've never been in the cycling club that does that sort of thing.
0: If this is your first time listening to Life in the Peloton, welcome. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes and let me explain to you how this podcast came to life. When I was a pro living in Europe, I thought it'd be great to try and break down what the life is like as a pro cyclist. And so the podcast was born. I had the chance to talk to my fellow colleagues in my team, but also the guys I got to race against and just pick their brain for you guys, but also for me to understand what makes them tick, but also help you understand what the life is like on the road as a World Tour Pro. Of course, I'm no longer a world tour pro anymore, but life in the peloton still exists because you guys have come on the journey with me as I've transitioned out of the pro peloton into this new world of, I guess, just enjoying riding my bike for the love of cycling. I've almost gone full circle now, come back to why I actually started riding a bike, because I love just riding a bike, whether that's gravel, whether that's mountain bike, whether that's a bunch ride, that's what I'm doing now. And I thought it'd be great if you guys could come on the journey with me. Of course, I'm still touching with my old friends in the world tour just to hear how crazy that world still is. But I think it's been great to understand the new adventures that I've done, whether that's bikepacking or, like I said, going on these different events. Well, it's time for the first episode, and what have I got in store for you this week? Well, you might remember the last episode of last year. I was on the road up to the World Championships. It was a journey that I documented, something that I needed to do on my own to rediscover what was going on in my life after retiring. I felt things were put on fast forward, and I need to almost go on a soul-searching trip as I journeyed my way up the coast to Wollongong. On that journey, though, I had the idea of if I did something like this next time, I'd love to have a few guests. And that's what's happened now. I had to be here in Adelaide to do some great things with Rafa, but also to experience the race. And I thought, well, again, why don't I ride across? So I started compiling the group that I might want to ride with. This is quite a hard task to find a group that would work well together over five days of long, hard rides. So let me introduce the crew that I chose. Ella Bloor, 27 from Canberra. Lots of fun and always up for adventure. She's racing the NRS, the US Crits, and has been part of the Specialized Women's Racing Team. Now rediscovering herself, she's been invited across as the only female Australian to be invited to the Lifetime Series in the US. An exciting series that has started up last year with a mix of gravel and mountain bike adventures. Next up was Peter Mullins, 34, from Bendigo. She's a household name in Australia, and of course, she's been on Life in the Peloton the second episode of last year. So go back and listen to that episode and find out a little bit more about Peter. But she was great to have on this trip as well. Tommy Chapman, 27 from Adelaide. He was best described as South Australia's finest multi-discipline cyclist. He is the current Australian CX champion, but we picked him up in Bunningong straight after the Australian Road Cycling Championships. Of course, Lachlan Morton, 31 from Port Macquarie. We all are very familiar with his name. He is one of the bikepacking masters, the guy that we love, who just creates these amazing adventures and takes us on the journey with him. And I thought it'd be great if he came on one of my adventures. Of course, we're mates as well, so it was great to catch up with him. And finally, Rupert Guinness, 60 years old from Sydney. He is a legendary cycling journalist and an ultra-enduro athlete himself. We set out now the Monday after the Australian Championships from Buninyong and headed our way across to Adelaide. It was 1115k across to Adelaide. We didn't go the most direct route, but we took a route that I was most interested in. I wanted to explore, once again, the Outback Australia. I wanted to get in touch with my culture. I wanted it to be hard. I wanted it to be red sand, tough gravel roads, and go to towns that we don't normally go to. We set off and we went through the towns of Echuca, Swan Hill, Mildura, Berry, and then into Adelaide. It was a great journey and we documented things along the way. Since I've retired as a pro, my diet has gone a bit on the wayside. It's not to say that I don't eat healthy, but it's just like I don't eat as healthy or as cleanly. I may get up in the morning and you know grab something or miss breakfast. By the time I get to eating, it's just something on the go. You know exactly what I mean. But there's actually one thing that's crossed over from my pro life into my normal life, and that's athletic greens. I initially gave AG1 a go when I was racing because at the pointy end, you're looking for those one percenters. I want to make sure my vitamins, my minerals, my probiotics, all for my immune system was up to scratch. I need to have good gut health, ultimately just for better performance. I know it was at the pointy end of professional sport, and I need to make sure I was doing everything. Of course, I'm no longer at the pointy end of professional sport, but I need to feel good Not only for myself, but for my day-to-day life, but of course for my family and my kids. AG1 provides the daily nutritional foundation for optimal health. I love starting my day with AG1 because I know whatever happens from here, I've got the great foundation to start the day. It's almost like a nice kickstart and I know whatever happens from here, I've had a good start to the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, the Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go across to athleticgreens.com slash life in the peloton. That's athleticgreens.com slash life in the peloton. Check it out. Get yourself a first purchase. Get on board because I know you're going to love it. It gives me everything I need to start the day. Now guys, I want to take you to the episode. So sit back and enjoy the journey come on the road with us i think you're going to really enjoy the dynamics of the group and the journey across to adelaide guys i hope you enjoy this and welcome back to the new series of life in the peloton all right i've walked in there is just a sea of stuff everywhere i've walked into the girls room peter mullins ella blore it's the night before Girls, Ella, what are you feeling? We've got a bottle of Moe Chandon here. Rosé Imperial, still in the box. How's that going to fit into a bag?
2: Um, I think it'll fit really nicely into my rear bag. It's about the same length. <laughs> it's essential.
0: It is essential. I like that. That's a nice little inclusion. the um, Vegemite, I see here. Oh, strip waffles as well. Peter, how have you been able to reduce... What, what have we got here? This is sunscreen. sunscreen. Yes, it's important, but it's a 200-gram bottle. <laughs> We're not going for a month.
3: I got uh, roasted today out on the budding Young circuit, so I've upgraded my um, size of uh, sunscreen. And I actually forgot to buy uh, food, but I have leftovers from the race. Um, I'm just on, yeah, Koga pops gels, and... Um, I've also got fruit straps. (laughs) Is there any
0: nerves? Like, I know this, like, what do you know about the route? Are you nervous? It's not crazy. I don't know. What are you feeling for the route?
3: I'm feeling that we head off tomorrow in the opposite direction to Adelaide and the route seems to be twice the distance if we were to go directly there. Looks like we're um, tromping through the desert. Are
0: you excited about the route, though?
3: Uh, I think the first day and last day will be tough, especially on the back of the champs today. Um, But I don't expect to hit the wind at all, not for 1115 kilometres.
0: Ellie, what about you? You've had a day off today, you didn't do the national champs, so you're ready to go.
2: Oh yeah, I expect to be on the front for the entire 247 kilometres tomorrow, yeah.
0: (laughs) I love how you know exactly. I've just rounded it up
2: 250,
0: 247.3. (laughs) 0.7. No, I don't know. what What about the trip? Are you excited? Are you nervous?
2: Yeah, I think every time you say like, no, it's not that big, it's not that big. I have to kind of play it down and pretend it's not that big. But this will probably be the biggest week on the bike of my life. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited. It's a really good crew. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And there's going to be a lot of highs and and lows.
0: (laughs) Well, it is 9.30 and the girls have got a lot of packing to do, I can see. Um, So I'm going to leave you to it. Well, I guess I should probably introduce the team. Who we got here?
3: Peter Mullins. I'm 34, <laughs> uh, from Bendigo, Victoria. Uh, when I'm not riding my bike, I'm running a bike team, uh, and I also help my partner Jared uh, with his work, which is kind of like uh, a little bit of mini landscaping and yeah, site cleans on on new builds.
2: So my name is Ella Bloor, I'm from Canberra. I'm 27 years old. When I'm not riding my bike, I'm a architectural designer. And yeah, I don't really have a purpose for doing this ride other than I was up for an adventure.
1: I'm Lachlan Morton, I'm 31 years of age from Port Macquarie, New South Wales. I'm out on this trip because I wanna see more of Australia. And I think that's the thing I like most about bikepacking is seeing new places. Uh, and spending long days just turning the legs over.
4: I'm Rupert Guinness, I'm 60 years old, I'm from Sydney. I'm a uh, sports journalist and uh, author uh, and I focus principally on cycling and I love the sport. I love riding my bike and uh, these great adventures like this rat to Radelaide, it's a great way to escape all the pressures of the world and just go back to basics of why we love the sport.
5: G'day everyone. Uh, Tommy Chapman. Um, I'm 27 years old. I'm from Adelaide, Australia. I race cyclocross, I race road. Um, I'm current rider for Team Bridge Lane. This is the first time bikepacking and after day one I'm quickly realising why it's gone absolutely nuts in the last few years. Some great company, some quiet roads. Yeah, it's a really nice time.
0: Alright guys, here we are, Trentham, the first stop in. What are we, about 50k in? 60! 60k in. Ella, how's the pace been so far? How's the trip going?
2: Good, yes, we're actually 57.8 kilometers in. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's been really fun. The route has definitely already not been what I thought it was. Lots of single track, lots of sort of fire road sections, it's been been pretty fun actually. Actually? Actually, yeah, I thought it was just going to be like straight roads and desert and really barren Australian, but it's been really lush so far.
0: This is my hood. So this is going to be good at the start until we get going a bit. Guys, any thoughts over here before we roll out? We've got to keep moving. Can't be too slow today. Peter?
3: Yeah, we just did a gravel sector and I did five minutes at threshold and I thought Mitch was on the five by five train, the day post nationals, but I think it's um, it opens up a little bit here. We kind of nearly go past uh, my town of Bendigo. Uh, Hopefully we stop off at Heathcote for some hot jam donuts. And then, uh, yeah, keep rolling from there.
0: Tommy, I'm going to introduce everyone along the way, but this is just a quick snippet. Everyone's going to, we're going to find out a bit more about everyone. But now we've got Tommy.
5: G'day, everyone. Nice to be here. What a morning. Um, Really, really nice start. Good for the morale, I think. It's been a nice 50-something K. Ella's got it exactly. Um, I got dropped in the last gravel sector. Um, But the IGA has um, saved us.
0: And here we are. We're not going to go into what your speciality is then, because if, uh... <laughs> and Roop, how you been mate? You're into the nanas, getting the potassium in. How's it been so
4: far? Oh, it's been great. Uh, I think we found out very quickly who's going to be the last person up the hill. And um, I think I'll be your human anchor. But anyway, we'll get there to the finish. That's what matters.
0: Well, we're doing a, th- a, quarter, a third of the altitude today. So once we get through today, you're flying. All right, well, let's get on the road. Last, Lastly is Locky, but we're going to have a chat to him as we go. Lock? G'day, mate. How we doing? <laughs> All right, let's get going. Well, mate, we're 50k in. It's been a while since we've had a chance to ride together. You've done a hell of a lot since then. Mate, why did you decide to come on the trip with me? You're back in Oz for a little bit. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that's kind of the, that was like the, the thing that got me across the line with coming on this trip. Like, first time back in Australia for Years. Pretty sure the last time I was here we were racing down under together.
0: Yeah! And Sun Tour and
1: coming back I was like, ah, a lot of people to see, a lot of things to do. Almost put it in the too hard bucket. I don't know, the second I got back I was like, man, I looked at the route, I was like, it's a part of Oz I haven't seen. I was itching to get like out into the country. Yeah. Spending time in Sydney, like I love it there, but just to get out to like real Australia. And yeah, like to do it on bikes is the best
0: way, right? Uh, So. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. But something that I'm really enjoying at the moment is what this trip is. is It's about the journey, but I enjoy just sort of like getting to a location, being able to sort of have a quick shower. Yeah. The accommodation doesn't have to be awesome, it's just about, for me, resetting. So I think there's two sort of ways about it. Well, there's probably more, but yeah. the way I sort of see it. And like, I remember you saying in well, your last sort of big adventure at the Colorado Trail, I might be done with this sleep deprivation and this just really push myself over limit. Yeah. Yeah, like what do you prefer and is it, is it all about that or is it I nice balance? I think it's, it's, it's two balance.
1: very different experiences that you can have. One is like intensely personal and about like self-discovery more than anything. Which comes through like, yeah, pushing yourself really far and seeing like what's going on in the brain at like those far ends, you know? I think initially for me, that was like really interesting and like something I actually needed to do. Yep. Um, In terms of just becoming more comfortable with myself, like finding my
0: spot within bikes. I got a lot out of doing it. Each time you do a trip or you specifically talking about this Colorado trail? No, I mean
1: the first time I really pushed it, which I guess was GB Giro, like a real light bulb moment and like I had like a day on that trip where I was like I feel more like myself than I ever have before Wow! like I was like this is I feel like this is me doing what I'm meant to be doing Um, which involved like yeah pushing really hard just being on my bike places I didn't know working it out as I went and the only only goal being to just get where I'm, I'm trying to get. Like. So yeah, like I was kind of hooked on it at that point, um, and just wanted to keep having. What was that day? What was that specific day? Uh, it was when I was riding from Loch Ness to the finish uh, in John Groats. It was like twelve-hour period there after I started. I started just before sunrise, which like. That time of the year it was probably like 4 a.m. Just like sun came up when I was up in the high country there in Scotland. Yeah, and it was like just an impossibly nice day, which apparently you never get there. But I got it, and I feel like until that point I'd like just stumbled my way through that event. You know, like had no idea what
0: I was doing. Still trying to work out: Am I racing this thing like a road race? Yeah, am exactly. I enjoying the atmosphere? Am I pushing all night? Yeah, just trying to work it out. Exactly.
1: And that day I was like, I mean, I was far enough in front that it wasn't even a competition for me. Like at that point, not sounding arrogant, but like just mentally, I let go of the aspect of like racing. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get it. This is just about me. This is me against me. And like. I'm creating the whole experience here. Yeah, like, I just had like an epic day. Yeah, like, I also had like five or six really rough hours immediately after that. You know, like, turned headway and it got like way too hot. I had to like jump in a leg. Like, it was still really difficult and you always look back at those moments a little bit skewed. But. Like, it was that experience that got me hooked on mean, like, oh... Alright, there's something pretty amazing
0: there if you're willing to, like, push all the way past it. Well, Rupert, we're about 50k to go, so we're 200k into the day. We've just come out. It's been a bit of an up-and-down sort of adventurous day. We've, uh... We've had, you know, trails and gone off-road, but now we're on the straight, barren land. I feel like we're going into the middle of Australia now. How are you feeling at this point?
4: Oh Mitch, I'm feeling pretty good really, um, you know, the temperature's just dropping a little bit thanks to the cloud cover coming, um, I just gave Ella a bit of a scare there, I touched wheels <laughs> as we're going through over some speed humps, gave me a bit of a scare too to be honest, but uh, yeah we just come to the 200 uh, kilometre mark, so uh, there's another 200 uh, we can tick off in our careers. A double tonne as you said in cricket yeah. terms
0: but uh, we've had a swim in the river and you are just telling me now being part of a crew you've actually done two um Sydney to Hobarts haven't you and what it takes to be part of a crew what you've done you're a journalist but what you do in your journalism is you immerse yourself in different teams um and you're just telling me a couple of stories along the way when you've been in a rugby league team to really feel the atmosphere and now on the Sydney to Hobart crew
4: I guess we're in a bit of a crew here and you've really got to immerse yourself, don't you? Yeah, Mitch, that's one of the exciting things of, of sport, which I think um, it's a great opportunity to be able to sort of experience yourself firsthand and then try and uh, parlay what you learn into your work as a journalist so people can understand sort of behind the scenes a bit of what goes on in the dynamics. Not so much tactically, but certainly uh, personnel-wise, you know, the dynamics of people who've got their certain skill sets, people who have skill sets that are not so much to do with their footballing or sailing or cycling skills, but their, their personalities and how that bonds a team. And there's a lot of similarities between all sports and that. And um, I just love the opportunity to, to, that I'm fortunate enough to get to do this. And we're experiencing that today when you look at the, the composition of our little troop here of six people.
0: It's great our little troop, isn't it? We've got Lockie Morton, Tommy Chapman on the front, who rode the men's nationals yesterday. Peter Mullins, just in front of me, who also rode the women's. Ella Bloor, who's in a big training phase to go across and do the Lifetime series over in America. Um, and yourself and I at the back, two, two journos, I guess.
4: <laughs> That's right, we're back in, uh, back in the gin and tonic class back here, uh, I say that now. <laughs> um, probably a bit early to start thinking of gin and tonics, we still got 50k to go. But it's, it's yeah, it's a very interesting mix and um, today's been fabulous just to have the chance to sort of get to know people um, for the first time today. Um, it's going to be really interesting by the time we get to Adelaide. Uh, experiences like this, they create um, lifetime friendships, you know. So it's going to be a real good buzz when we get there to Adelaide, a lot of kilometres to go first though.
0: All right, well, let's get up the road here. We're heading to Rochester, which has got a famous pub and the birth town of Sir Hubert Opperman. Did you you know about that? Yeah,
4: I did. Um, He's he's been mentioned in quite a few of my books that I've written. And of course, those who don't know, Oppie was one of the greatest cyclists in the world in his time in the early 1900s. He was the, uh, he did the Tour de France in 1928 and 1931. Inspired by the first two Australians to do the tour, Snowy Munro and Don Kirkham in in, uh, 1914. And really Australia's heritage in cycling goes back a long, long way. And Oppie used to do a lot of rides like what we're doing today. A lot of Australian cycling heritage has been built on the tradition of who's been turned the overlanders, uh, intrepid souls who... In the late 1890s he used to ride from town to town just following camel pad tracks many of those tracks which today now are the road networks of australia so a lot of australian history has has come through that but oppie obviously trailblazed in his own way on the track on the mountains and the plains of the tour de france uh set a lot of land records in australia and um you know and, and of course he became a Federal politician in the uh, Robert Menzies government. Quite a figure and I've never been to Rochester so I'm really excited to get there. I'm getting a bit of a tingle thinking about it because it's a special place where a special person came from and I really think while it's an old story, a lot of people don't know these stories and we have a chance to sort of pay homage to that.
0: That's what I love about this journey too is heading to these places not only just because of Oppie, but also just seeing these iconic areas in Australia that, you know, maybe I would never get to, and especially not by bike. So let's dig on. Well, since this is a bikepacking trip, of course we had to carry all our own stuff. And as you guys know, I love working with ReStrap. They are a family owned company out of Yorkshire, handmade in Yorkshire, for bikepacking bags. The best bike packing bags there are. They've got an amazing range to fit all kinds of bikes. And the best thing is, they're tested by the people who are making them. Signed off individually every piece that they make. I love ReStrap because I know I'm working with quality. And if anything happens to go wrong or come loose or whatever, You just contact them, and they're happy to help and replace things along the way. Of course, nothing has gone wrong so far for me, so I haven't had to do that. But that's the best thing about working with ReStrap. They're real people who are testing it, bikepacking enthusiasts themselves. That's ReStrap.com, R-E-S-T-R-A-P.com. Go over and check them out and throw in Peloton 10 for a cheeky discount and get yourself some good quality bikepacking gear. Because I know after listening to this trip, You are going to want to go bikepacking yourself, and you may as well go and get some good gear to last you for the long time. That's restrap.com, R-E-S-T-R-A-P.com, and put in Peloton 10, P-E-L-O-T-O-N-10. Let's get back to the episode. Tommy, day two, mate. How have you woken up? morning, Mitch. Um...
5: We had the aircon at 16 degrees, so it's actually warmer out here than it was in there. I woke up freezing. Um, no, we're going good. We're going good. Another really nice clear sky. Good vibes, bit of stretch. Saw Lockie doing some stretching. Ella doing some stretching. Should be a good day. It's
0: a bit worrying. We might be hitting the hitting the gun. I said a, a sharp 6.30 rollout, 6.32. Peter, no helmet on. How are you feeling this
4: morning?
3: Uh, <laughs> is that a rhetorical question? I feel like I've been hit by a bus. My lips look like I've just had liposuction. Yeah, it's going to be a rough first couple of pedal strikes.
0: <laughs> Wait a second, let me have a look. Yep, yeah. that's <laughs> true. <laughs> what about you,
2: LR? As Peter said that, I've gone and put on some more lip balm (laughs) Um, yeah no I'm kind of feeling okay I'm telling myself I feel okay but I'm I'm pretty scared it's going to be a big four days coming up and um, thankfully today is a little bit shorter than yesterday
0: and you decided to use the washing machine at the motel luckily you packed a second set of kit because what happened
2: uh they locked the door (laughs) So all our, um, all my kid and Peter's kid, so it's not just me, is uh, locked in the washing machine.
0: <laughs> well, lucky, because you got nice kid on today, you look good, everyone's looking really good. All right, let's get down to this greasy spoon, get a bit of food, and on our way. All right, Rupert, mm-hmm. we're sitting here already at the servo, we're only about two kilometres in, and we've come for breakfast,
4: haven't we? We have a little bit of a setback, and in the original, much hyped up place that we thought we were gonna get egg and bacon rolls from, it was closed. Murphy's law, but in bike packing you got to look at your alternatives, and that's what we've done. We're outside the servo, sitting on the gutter, having egg and bacon roll, which I'm sure is not as good as the ones that we talked up last night, but it'll do. It
0: will certainly do. Now, our day ahead today, 200k, um, pretty flat from Mutuka to Swan Hill, looking like a cross wind. It's actually a stunning morning, blue skies. It's not too hot yet, but I know it's going to get hot.
4: How are the legs feeling? I shouldn't say this, but not too bad. But obviously a bit of wear and tear from yesterday, Mitch, but it was, um, slept really well last night. And uh, just, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we just have a nice smooth ride and that will get us into the guts of this Rat to Radelaide adventure, won't it? No turning back after day two.
0: Um, that's exactly right, mate. No turning back now. I wouldn't want to go back where we just came from.
4: <laughs> right, Tommy.
0: Mate, we're back in the press room, as Rupert calls it. Last <laughs> wheel. It's actually, we've been uh, blessed with the weather gods today, haven't we? A bit of a tailwind on some big, barren, flat roads.
5: Mate, absolutely. Even the the first part of the gravel today, a bit of sand. And I was at the back of the group. Ella was the only witness. I nearly laid it down, mate.
0: You, the cyclocross champion.
1: <laughs>
5: hey, well, we- you know, there's no surprises. It can happen. But I I, I actually... um was trying to film the crew.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's right.
5: We're, we're trying got, to get content. Yeah, we got a bit loose, but that's okay. Now we're rolling up. Look at this, 37.
0: 100k man. to go. Beautiful second day. Mate, we've got to talk a little bit about you. So we picked you up at Nationals, and we're actually sort of hitching your ride back to Adelaide, where you're from, where we're going to, the tour down under. Um, born and bred Adelaide man, but you're a little bit unorthodox for an Aussie rider. Cyclocross is not that big in Australia and you've sort of made that your, your focus, I guess, or semi-focus, isn't it? Tell us a little yeah. bit about your start.
3: Um, yeah, you're not wrong. It's definitely not the
5: normal path or maybe normal discipline for an Aussie-based rider. Um, but yeah, I probably got into it purely because the dad's mate said, you should come and have a try on this bike. You love riding on the dirt and away we went. Um, Just a local race in Adelaide. Um, But, yeah, I come from, like, a motocross background. um, uh, Dirt jumping, just always had a shovel in my hand. Um,
0: (laughs) That that that
5: was childhood, you know, so, Does that
0: relate to cyclocross? Is it building your own tracks?
5: Well, to be fair, I think it does. Does it? Yeah, I think uh, I have an eye for making tracks and... Looking at, you know, even as we're riding along, I think that'd be nice, that paddock could be good going. Oh yeah, nice. We can make something happen in there. So the brain's always ticking, I think that's in the DNA now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where does it look like for you, like, do you want to, because you told me, you've done Vegas Cross, which is one of the iconic ones back in the day. It doesn't exist, I don't think, anymore. Um, you actually told me a cool story. If you can tell a little bit of that story now about when you saw what went out there.
5: Yeah, so... Um, I've been lucky enough to do Cross Vegas a couple Cross of times. Cross Vegas, yeah, sorry. No, no, that's all right. Um, and, yeah, it became a World Cup. And, sadly, it's not anymore. I think it's one of those things where, like, you probably agree with. If, if it's good for TV and good for the crowd, it's normally ruthless as a bike rider. Yeah, totally. And, if to be honest, it wasn't actually that fun. We're riding on, like inch deep grass it was a soccer field okay so momentum was zero <laughs> um but the crowd and the atmosphere was amazing we um they raced quite late the crowd get into it it's,
0: it's fun alliance isn't it, or it isn't? Is. yeah yeah
5: i think we started at like 9 30 p.m so it's actually a weird thing for the body to race at that time yeah as uh you were saying before we um we finished quite late meet a teammate of mine, Jack. We, <laughs> we're absolutely cooked, right? So we got our food a bit wrong for that time of night. And we've raced and we're riding back, we're 20 minutes away from the Vegas Strip. We ride back, we get to our hotel, and we're straight to Maccas. It's the only thing to do. It's about one, one o'clock in the morning, straight to Maccas. Yeah, we're, we're ordering, we're in that real daze where we've ordered food and we're just staring at the menu and we're just not even talking to each other. And you probably know by now, I don't mind a chat, and Jack's the same. So we're just standing there cooked. I look to my left and I recognise a a good looking rooster walking in. And um, I'd tap Jack on the shoulder and I said, that's wow. And Hogan slowly looks to his left, pauses for a few seconds, slowly looks back at me and he goes, Whoa. It's a what year was this? Maybe 2016? Yeah, okay. I 2016 or 17. Anyway, I, I thought I'd congratulate him and he looked at us as in you know who who knows me in vegas for wearing casual clothes what's going on yeah and yeah he was just such a nice bloke he asked us if we're in the race and i said mate you nearly caught me (laughs) and he had a bit of a laugh and he goes what are you doing racing here and uh, it was really cool he was just full of questions but you're your current
0: australian cross champ aren't you that's
5: right yeah Yeah, mate. so
0: just to put the perspective out there for everyone he's not just a punter like me who just sort of gets a gravel bike and tries to do something on the cross course. Actually, fair income. Um, but now we're on the road. We've come from the nationals. How was how was the road nats yesterday? Or sorry, not yesterday. The day before now.
5: Um, yeah, it was really good. Did um, you mean, had a big was, day? Yeah, I think it was probably the most excited I've been for the road race than I had in previous years. I, I Why some, this year? Like, I really enjoyed the hype of that many pros coming back. I was like very... It was a good
0: feel, wasn't it?
5: It was. It was, um, it was actually really cool just being on the start line and sort of just having a look around. Yeah, it did feel a bit different to other years, yeah. I think. Yeah,
0: because the um, last couple of COVID years were sort of just like glorified NRS field, Australian field with a couple of sprinkled through pros, wasn't it?
5: That's right, yeah. And it doesn't make the race any easier but I can understand from an atmosphere and event point of view, this year would have been a bit different. Yeah. But yeah, also just excited to be back with the team and have a couple of new teammates and some boys I knew that were moving really well. And the general vibe of the team for the week before was really good. So yeah, there was just a lot to be stoked about. It was nice to be racing. Are we sampling the uh the finest bakery of the town. We've had a bit of a, we had some good rhythm yesterday. A couple of nice bakeries.
0: Well, I, actually this is now out of my my area, so we just gotta wait and see and hope. The last town we was expecting something at was literally a one horse town. So there's nothing there and we've pushed on. Weather gods behind us, so sweet. Thanks mate. Happy days, cheers Mitch. we've actually got a bit more time today because we were rolling actually had the weather gods on our side and we got in early, we're back in the hotel, dinner cleansing ale out at the at the um, barbecue area and the girls had a good idea high and low lights of the trip so far because we've sort of skipped yesterday, we didn't really get to do a debrief I forgot to take the mic to the pub, so let's just capture highs and lows of the trip so far, Ella
2: (sighs) I reckon my highlight so far was day one. We were all pretty hot and I was really starting to struggle with the heat and we still had, I don't know, like 80 k's to go, 100 k's to go. Um, And we rode past a river and we all kind of just looked at each other and were like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And I went into the river, helmet still on, and (laughs) it just felt so good. Um, In comparison to my low light of the trip so far, which would have to be the 10Ks of sand finishing off the second day. Um, I felt like my 28 mil road tyres didn't really float. <laughs>
0: and that was a river at Axale. That was that was an amazing little swim. And I think I can speak on behalf of everyone here. I was really feeling it at that point. We still had quite a long way to go. And it was just like the perfect timing, wasn't it? Everyone was ready. Who who else is ready to go? Tommy?
5: Um, Highlight. I think... This morning, bit of an earlier start, morning light, and then the tailwind on the first dirt section. We were very used to the last dirt section the day before, which was ruthless. What do we have? Five flats in 5K. Well, yeah, it wasn't good. But the other, I suppose, a good part of that was everyone started sort of gritting the teeth a bit and getting it done. I think we did a fair bit of power in the last few K. Um, so that was cool. Um, and I think maybe the highlight today... Actually, it was probably the sand section and watching everyone get it done. I actually think that's cool because there was a bit of attitude from the bikes. You know, you get used to being on the road and it's not moving around. And then when it all gets a little bit squirrely and you see people having a crack, I think that's cool. Peter?
3: Uh, I don't want to double up on anything. So I will say I'll start with my low light because that was when we got here today and realized we'd left our... Ella and I had left our second kits in the washing machine last night in the locked laundry. And then when I got here to shower, I was wondering why my bike packing bags were less packed and I realised I'd forgotten all of my toiletries. <laughs> my shampoo and conditioner and I had a loofer and and shower gel and um, so I've restocked that from the supermarket. Um, and I would say... My highlight actually nearly coincides with a low light, which was when we had our fifth puncture today. And we turned um, the boombox on and played the song, um, We're All In This Together. <laughs> that felt, uh, yeah, pretty ironic.
0: Oh, I can't believe you lost the toiletry bag. You should have gone on. Lighter weight. That's why you are going so good today.
1: Locke, I
0: think it's hard to pick
1: a low light because like, the morale's been generally very good. Uh, I think the heat caught us all by surprise yesterday. Um, Well, it definitely caught me by surprise. Uh, So when we walked into that servo with like 40k to go yesterday, and I had the expectation it was going to be like really cool inside, and there was no air conditioning, and it was like this real shock, and I would say that was my low light, which wasn't that like bad, but I mean at at that moment I was uh, disappointed. But I think my highlight was actually when we got all those flats yesterday because like everyone was pretty tired we took this dirt road that we didn't need to take like but like I'm I'm credit to the route planner like you have to you have to respect the decisions of the person who made the route um because I've also made so many disgusting routes that I've taken Mitch on that like I feel like it's absolutely necessary repayment but we got yeah five flat tires like immediately and it was we're standing just in the baking sun it was, like, so close to the finish. It would have been really easy for everyone to just be like, ah, just go ahead or, like, split up there or, like, push on. But everyone just kind of, like, stopped, waited, even though we're all desperate to, like, get out of that situation. No one cracked. There was no, like, bad energy. And then we just, like, continuously fixed the flats <laughs> <and then laughs> until we got off the dirt road. Um, so, yeah, I thought that, that was a, a highlight for me, uh, along with that, like, great northern beer. The schooner with like 20k to go today. Yeah, Lake Boga. That was
4: pretty nice. Good call, Lockie, yeah. Rupert? Well, I'm I'm reluctant to talk about, to say they're low lights because these sort of rides, you're always going to have, you know, challenging moments. So I'm taking a positive spin to it. So I'd say, um, although my morale did dip, and this is like very early in the piece, that first climb out of... (laughs) on the gravel and I nearly came off when, uh, when Tommy pointed to the, uh, to the gutter there and I, I saw it at the last minute and somehow I managed to not go down but I did have to pack my foot out and then uh, going up that hill, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be like this for the next five days. What have <laughs> I signed myself up for? And, and all of you were scootering up to the top and I, was, and I just had to console myself. by saying, look, someone has to be last. Might as well be me. And uh, then I just got back into my rhythm and felt, you know, I actually felt okay once I just, you know, accepted <laughs> accepted my fate. The, uh, the, probably the highlight, I'd say, there's been so many of them. Um, but really just going back to, yeah, I think I think today in, on, on the sand and for me personally, just reflected, I reflected on, and I mentioned to a couple of people that when I did the uh, old Telegraph track um, on a ride from Cairns up to Cape York, the old Telegraph track was just full of sand and it was only like half a metre wide and you had to ride through these uh, forests with uh, wasps in there and it was stinking hot and humid. But I remember then I'd never really ridden... I'd never ridden on the sand at all, ever. And, you know, we were falling over and everything. We were falling over so many times, we just were laughing at each other. But saying that, because of the skills... Well, I wouldn't say I'm skilled, but whatever skills I do have, I learnt them uh, on the old telegraph track and thankfully for those that helped me get through that sand today if otherwise I'd still be out there now you'd be would have had a dinner having a debrief without me probably fairly guessing what my low light was but that wasn't a low light because thanks to that I uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't go great on it but I'm you know it was just a good challenge and that's what these events are about facing those challenges and getting through it
0: awesome mate awesome well I guess I'm going to put a couple two, two cents in as well. Um, Locke, I f- completely forgot about the beer today at Lake Boga. That was... You've stolen it, but that was a real highlight. I've, I love having a beer when you know you're almost in. 20k to go, that's the pinnacle point. And that one today was especially good. But that's not my highlight. My highlight was starting the trip. You know, heading out from Ballarat and riding through what seemed like my country. And showing you guys a little bit of my backyard, letting you know where Lansfield was. And it was awesome, even though I made this trip because I wanted to come ultimately what today was the harsh heat, the red sand. That's what I was envisioning with this trip, so I was really happy that was today. I love taking you guys through Trentham, um, Kyneton, and then back up, you know, past Heathcote, and then on our way. But the funny thing is, the flip side of my highlight is my low light. I was really, really hot on that trail on the way to um, Axdale. Didn't enjoy that. Yeah, like normally I'm good in the heat, I thought. I guess I'm just not that trained anymore. I had two moments yesterday, then and then later on with Tommy on the way into um, town, Rochester, where I got completely broken. Um, So they were my two low lights. I guess combine them together. The heat yesterday caught me out. But yeah, happy, happy to hear from all you guys. I'm looking forward to the next few days. Tommy, whose brilliant idea was this this morning? We'll start at 5.30 into of
5: 6.30. Without any hesitation, Peter Mullins. She didn't even look up the weather for the afternoon or nothing. She just said, let's get it going early this morning because she didn't want to be out in the afternoon.
0: So here we are. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Feeling slightly worse for wear. Um, 2.50 today. I guess we just roll along as long as we're moving forward. Yeah, we'll be going
5: forward, I suppose. um, It was a pretty rude alarm, wasn't it? (laughs) Uh, Sorry about
0: that, mate. But um,
5: it's forward from here. We'll be right.
0: First stop, 85K in. And Rupert, how do you say the name of this town that we're in?
4: (laughs) Mananangtang. Exactly. (laughs) It's a roll off the tongue. um, Manangatang. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, what did you have at, let me see,
0: what is it, 9.15 in the morning? What have you just consumed?
3: I believe it was 8.58 when I ordered uh, (laughs) two potato cakes, but I was proud of myself because Lockie followed suit with some potato cakes, so I was on trend.
0: Deep-fried potato cakes, lovely start to the day. Mate, you just ate, Tommy just ate the most delicious-looking egg and bacon muffin, mate, just as you clean your
5: teeth. How was it? Uh, It's been a long time since I've had one of them, and that felt like, the one that just gets me back in the rhythm. That was, what was that, six rashes? We were in there for a while, but he went heavy on it, so yeah. But it's been a great start to the day. We
0: started early, and we've done some great routes so far. A few trucks around, as you can hear. Today's a difficult day because we've got a few stops early, but then we've got a long patch where we've got no stops, so now another 60k now, we're going to have an early lunch, and then we've got to plug on for about 110k before uh, before we get there. Locke, how you been feeling this morning, mate? It's been good. Um, the early start,
1: I think, was a great call. I think we all enjoyed the sunrise, and yeah, it's been pretty smooth sailing. Um, we've had one sector so far, and only one flat tyre, so happy days, but yeah, it's just starting to get warm. So, I um, think this is where the day is going to uh, really kick off.
0: All right, Ella. Here we are on this, uh, this bikepacking trip that I... I thought of you first, actually, when I was thinking of all my guests. So I, thought, I, I think because I'd just seen you do your trip down to Tassie, and I was trying to think of different people to come on this trip and interesting people, people that I knew, knew but people that I didn't necessarily know that well and I saw that you were pikepacking your way to Tassie. Um, Yeah, I guess, what did you think, sort of like, when you're like, cool, I'll come? Or, you know, when I said, hey, would you like to come on this trip?
2: I was like, yeah, initially I was like, fuck yeah. Like, (laughs) I'm sort of in this stage in my life uh, where I just, I really just want to say yes to opportunities and challenges and adventures and, um, I was obviously in the middle of a bikepacking trip when you called. I just finished racing the Tour of Tasmania, and it was kind of like my last little road race. Like I think over the last few years, I've sort of gravitated more and more to new bike races, and um, I don't know, just just different. I just want different, whether it's bikepacking or skiing or cross country or learning how to jump on my enduro bike. I just want different things and yeah, I'd say this trip is (laughs) fits into that box, it's like yeah, sure, I'll ride 1100k's across the (laughs) you know, Victorian border to get to Adelaide. Um,
0: Yeah. Is it, but is it, what do you think about this dynamic? Like, we've got all different kinds of levels here, this is what I like about bikepacking or this trip anyway I know these trips exist elsewhere and people are doing all different kinds of things but I guess what I'm trying to do with this kind of trip is not only the experience of myself but sort of try and inspire a lot of people listening or viewing it or whatever that hey not everyone has to be pro not everyone has to be at the same level you know everyone can just sort of ride together if you select the right route and the right types of people it's more just traveling together across land and having fun together, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like I'm a huge ad, like believer in team dynamics, whether it be within the office or within a you know racing team or a bikepacking trip. Like team and person- personality dynamics really make or break a trip. And so far, this has been pretty pretty good. Um, I was pretty intimidated when you know after you initially asked me. Then you're like, yeah, I think like maybe Rocky Morton, maybe like Peter Mullins and even like Rupert I was like man these guys are hitters and so experienced and you know I'm just Ella Blore like I was definitely intimidated, intimidated but trying to play it cool but I'm yeah having a ball.
0: Let's go a bit more about where about you because I don't know a whole lot about you I thought you were you're living in Canberra at the moment um, but you're from the Highlands, just out of Sydney, Southern Highlands, out near Barrel. That's Caleb Ewan country, that's Brad McGee country, isn't it? Famous cyclists from that area.
2: Yeah, yeah, a few, few good, good cyclists. So I actually grew up working in um, Brad McGee's bike store, McGee Cycle. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and I remember I was down in Adelaide racing uh, the XCO National Championships as an under-17. and. Brad was there with Saxo Bank, and he was like, oh, I can like try and get you a spot in the car if you want. Like, do you want to follow a stage? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I knew nothing about road cycling. And I was in the team van, like, going out to the start line. And at the time, I didn't know, but I was sitting next to Jens Voigt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, are you racing today? And he was like, oh, yeah. Like have a race and I was like, good luck, like, have <laughs> fun.
0: Perfect, that's so like almost the perfect way.
2: It was until I got really car sick during the stage and had to vomit like mid-stage in the back of the team car, so yeah, I didn't <laughs> didn't get asked back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, but once you've done it once, you don't need to do it again. I think you, you sort of get the bug from there or not. Um, you went into road after that, didn't you? Because
2: yeah, kind of. So like Caleb was a year above me in school, and we were oh, so you to went, to to, went to the same school. Went to the same school, and like my first ever road or time on a road bike, I actually rode his brother's Josh's. I borrowed it for a, like all school's triathlon thing, and oh, cool. so I had his. It was like a BMC something rather. It was in, like, in my opinion, just the nicest bike and. My first pair of road shoes were hand-me-downs from Caleb,
0: like, huh. <laughs> yeah. Aside from the cycling, what I find really interesting about you is your um, or your degree, your master's in architecture. Um, that's something that I love about, especially the women's side of cycling, is they're just, a, I feel, a bit more of a whole-rounded human being, a whole-rounded sort of athlete. They've got something else going on the side. How did you sort of juggle that along the way? Or you were always like, I love cycling but I'm just too interested in you know, my education to to sort of go one or the other.
2: To an extent, like yes and no. Like I actually sort of didn't really ride much during year 12. I sort of stepped away from it a little bit and then through a uni at Sydney, they had like a really good cycling team and-
0: University team?
2: Yeah. Wow. So that kind of got me back into it. And um, from about second year uni, I- got a coach and started doing the national road series and um, i found it you know because i was working and trying to afford rent and studying full-time and training like i i think if there's anything i regret i think i always just bit off more than that i could than i could chew and i'm sure any of my friends listening to this would be rolling their eyes because they're always telling me I do too much, and I just, I do get a lot of satisfaction out of always being busy and always on the go, but there is a part of me that's like, I wish I maybe committed to one thing a bit more, whether that be my studies or my cycling, but I feel like I've gotten really cool opportunities and made the most out of what I could do with the time I had. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about this year then, because now, You've been invited to an exciting series over in the US. The first year of it last year, they're calling it the lifetime series, which is a series of, I think it's seven races where they mountain bike and gravel and it's an invite only. So potentially you are going to be a bit more focused on one thing this year. Is yeah. that something that you've really thought about? Like, okay, I really want to just give it one crack or...
2: It is. It's, I'm sort of at the point where you know, I've been at my job for a couple of years now and I absolutely love where I work. But I definitely was sort of feeling at a point that I was ready for something, you know, just a change. And I wanted to travel. Like I've always seen people go over and do these big stints overseas where they just immersed themselves in racing. And mm. I just kind of thought, fuck it, like it's my time. Like, I want to do that, I want to commit to it. And um, I'm calling it a gap year and I'm really, <laughs> just really excited to experience some new racing and um, give myself the opportunity to have time to train and recover and really just be a bit more of a bike rider.
0: We made it. We made it to Mildura. Actually, I know we built this day up, but actually in the end, it was sort of like a scorpion with its tail that had a bit of a sting in it didn't it ella
2: was it all right i i feel like at like 220k mark i we should have started recording you then
0: <laughs> Well, too tired at that point i, I didn't think about the recorder because i was also in the in the box so i was i had no water i knew it was still a long way to go so i had to concentrate on myself i couldn't think about recording a podcast what were you doing at that moment
2: I don't know, surviving. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last, like, the last probably two hours were really tough. Um, that, like, we were on this beautiful road and we were, like, motoring along and then you were like, "Yep, yeah, this little goat track, that's where we're going. So we turned left onto that, yeah, forest section, I guess, and um, it was pretty rocky and sandy and it honestly felt like we were turning, like, what I imagine a paris Bay sector was and all of a sudden everyone was, like every man for themselves and we all just like split apart and yeah that was easily like our highest power for the day and we all just cooked ourselves so
0: it was a bit of a like survival of the fittest across there wasn't it it was like sam was loose and then everyone just drifted away Lockie and peter just you know took control i was stuck somewhere in the midi middle tommy was on the ground lying around rolling himself up um ella was just trucking along and of course rupert ever reliable rupert was just plugging away just getting the sand done should we do should we do a really quick high and low from today all right let's just do it really quickly ally
2: i had for lunch in where did we have lunch today
0: manangatang
2: in manangatang also similar to orangutan but manangatang <laughs> um i had a salad sanger for four bucks it was a bloody bargain and yeah, easily my highlight of the day. Low light, I was probably... I kept having a few spongy tyres with, with tubes, which is amazing. They weren't quite flat and I'd just pump them up and they'd hold, but it, it got a little bit frustrating towards the end. You're just like, please hold.
0: What are you thinking, Tommy? Low light was probably the
5: dead roads today. I felt like we've been rolling along not too bad, but today was heavy. Like, it just didn't really give us much. I did hit the deck. Um, There was like this section of sand that looked rocky, but it wasn't, it just broke through. And so it gave you that false hope of like, that's a good line. And I was going up this climb and then I just couldn't clip out and I fell over and cut the knee open and I just laid there for a bit. This
0: is Australian cyclocross champion speaking to
5: us. Uh, Highlight, I had seven rashes of bacon in a sandwich this morning. (laughs) (laughs) That thing was wild. And then, actually, no, this this tops it. Right at the end, I get a flat riding the Stewart Highway, and Shuey tried to break us today, I reckon. He had a good crack. But we're on there for a bit, and we pulled in. As I get a flat, we're, like, 30 metres from a thirsty camel, and I just see the, the crew just turning left, and I thought... That's a good spot to change a flat. I start changing my flat. I put a I put another tube in, maybe my seventh of the trip. And I used a CO2 canister on it like an idiot. And it was a flat tube from the other day. <laughs> so I had to I, uh, and uh, so I had to get another tube in there. And then Lockie sees me sort of struggling and he's there with his beer sitting on the gutter. And he looks at me and he goes, Oi. Go get a drink. I'll start pumping that up. And he didn't know it at the time, but, like, I was pretty close to maybe dropping the morale. Wow. I was pretty close. I thought, come on now. So he let me go inside. I got myself a beverage, and I came out, and the thing was at 50 PSI. So I'm
0: grateful for that. So, uh, yeah, cheers. Brilliant. I love that. And the Thirsty Camel, if anyone doesn't know, is a bottle shop. Peter?
3: My low-light was when uh my tubeless has had a little bit of issue with sealing, ceiling so I was putting I thought I put some more sealant in the um in the front because I had to pump that up a couple of times I had taken out the valve core and all this air came out and I was like good and I put my sealant in and pumped it up and then realized I'd done the rear <laughs> and my front was still flat <laughs> I had to use the rest of it on my front so that was probably a low light um I would say my highlight. I was having a pretty rough time this morning with the um, just the idea that we were going to be on the bike for you know another sub nine hour day. Um, and 80k, we only had two stops. 80k in, we stopped at Manangatang, and and I downed four potato cakes that perked me up big time.
0: At 9 a.m., Mordo, what do you got for us?
1: I think highlight was definitely sunrise this morning, like getting an early start. I think like in this part of the country that's like the best time to be outdoors and like experiencing it and I don't know what it is here but like the sunsets and the sunrise happens so slow and when you're on a, like a bike just like basically punching one direction you kind of experience the whole sunrise um, and morale was really good there even though we had a flat like everyone was just kind of like alright today's going to be a good day. Um, I'm honestly, like, reaching for a, uh, a low light. Actually, i tell you, the low light was uh, after we left lunch and we had the closed road and we kind of resigned ourselves that we were going to be on the sturt, sturt for, like, 80K or something all the way into Mildura. Um, but then we salvaged that with, like, another left turn and, like, managed to get back on the route. But if we'd had to ride from lunch all the way here on the third highway, I think um, we'd be less perky tonight.
0: (laughs) Rupert, what do you got for us?
4: Well, I I guess we we did speak about this in this uh, break. We had a drink break after Tommy punctured just out of town. So I I can't back away from what I said at the time that my uh, low light was the same as my highlight, which was at that uh, gravel stretch that we did there. And um, and it was it was I found it bloody hard, but at the same time, that's what these events are about. But there were times I was just thinking, you know, f this, you know, we, we I know what people said about just staying on the highway. I did say if we didn't, if we, if we had stayed on the highway, we wouldn't be effing here now. So, <laughs> but the point of these challenges, however you ride, whatever distance and everything is about how you deal with the situation at the time and one of the things I'm, I'm, this comes to my highlight is I've learned now how to shift the mind around dealing with the shit sandwich that you think you've got and just try and think of taking on as a, as a, as a challenge. I think yesterday I spoke about because of a ride I did up to Cape York Tour of Exiles that we did to Cape York and riding in sand and those skills helped me uh, deal with it yesterday and it helped me today and I was getting better at it so I just I, I, I was able to approach the sand albeit a lot slower than you guys. But I thought, like, don't worry about the speed and where you are. Just try and technically work your way through it and just improve. This is an opportunity to improve and bike handling and, and enjoy the adventure. And that, that shift in that mindset, that got me through to the end. I was very so glad when I saw the end and I saw you guys sitting down in particular. i got to say, oh, they, they do sit down too you don't just standing there waiting for me and you were having a drink and just before then though the only nearly snarky it was a snarky thought not a reaction I I did think well when you're the last person to these things you get the shortest break and I'm sure Mitch is gonna go okay let's go (laughs) so that's when I thought you're sitting down okay may not be let's go I may get at least 30 seconds to say can I I was actually rehearsing my my request. Well, can I just refill my water bottle? <laughs> I had it all planned. Can I just say one thing, uh, just to add on everything, because I wanted to say something tonight anyway. I'll get a little bit. I get a little bit emotional about these things, but uh, I just want to say thank you to to you guys helping me today, all of you. I say guys, guys and girls. In the last few days, uh, you know, you know, I'm no, I'm a. I am no i am I I'm not drawing an age, but just, I'm. A, I'm not a. Uh, an, an athlete like you guys and the way that you help me get through the day and the way you help each other too uh, and the cross-section of personalities and skills and backgrounds. It's, it's absolutely a, a really honour and a privilege to be with you all and uh, as people, not just as cyclists but the cross-section of all you all is, is fantastic and I think what Mitch has done to, to bring a group of six people here. I can see when you when you select a group for a reason and um, you know I'm I'm really humbled to be with you all and, and uh, this is where you know life friendships start from I get it yeah okay, I'm going you know, to so thank you all of you I'll I'll, I'll save the tears till, for Friday okay Wow Rube, really really tough to
0: follow that there's some and honestly the my high point of today was that exactly what you said that realization of how important this group was to me, that dynamic. I'm not just having five Lockies on here, you know, six Lockies and myself, five Lockies and myself, or five Ruperts and myself, or, you know, five Peters, so on and so forth. It's really important for me to have that different dynamic and also for us to work out how to work with the weakest link, with the strongest link. It's not just about trying to do this fastest known time, FKT, you know. That's something I'm completely do- I'm not interested in. It's about having this dynamic of we're pushing ourselves as much as we can, but we've also got to work together to get through this. And I feel like we've reached the limit without spitting the dummy. As you know, P has been hoping we'd spit the dummy. She's got some dummies ready for us, but we haven't. I think we've just found this really nice happy medium where it's like because you don't want to get through it either. Like cruising up the Sturt Highway and you get here at 3 o'clock and we all just sit around and go, what time are we going to dinner? You still want an element of like stress, which we had. You know, 20K to go. I wasn't comfortable then either. (laughs) That's my dark point. That I was like, okay, I had like one little tiny bit of water left. I was like, all right, I'm going to have to ration this out. So that was my my low point, the Sturt Highway, the last 20, something I didn't want to do and I knew it was going to be crap and it was crap. Um, But we got through it. My high point honestly was on the final dirt section, the sandy section and actually when we spread out and I got to see everyone but I got to absorb it on my own. I saw riders ahead of me. I saw riders behind me. And that was the best part for me because I could actually realise what this trip was about. It was just about being here together, working together through it and all the different levels and everyone getting to meet each other. So... Anyway, we've got a couple of days to go. Yeah, yeah, Let's not get too emotional and drink too many beers. Let's go get some dinner, actually.
4: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> 65, there's a stop. 90K, there's a stop. Root, okay. how are you feeling this morning as we roll out? Oh, we've got a bunch waiting for us.
4: Oh well this is exciting. Um I'm not I'm gonna uh, I've got my seat booked in um, in the press room to do a few bit of admin first before we get the day rolling. <laughs> <laughs> the sun will rise. And the sun will rise.
0: Let's find out about our bunch here. Good morning guys. Hey how
6: hey, are you? Hi. Hey Mitch, how you doing? Yeah good. What's Michael. your name? Michael. Michael. Good
0: well we're just rolling out, we've got a bunch here to join us. A few free wheels to sit on. Good. Hey guys. Hi Mitch. Paul, Paul
4: nice Hicks, you, mate. Paul. Yeah. Yep. Sean, how are you, Mitch? Yeah, good, Sean. Yeah. Good. Mitch, is it? How are you, mate? Yeah. Dion. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right, guys. I'm glad to see you bright and early. It's a beautiful morning, isn't it? It is nice at the moment. Um, should we roll out? We're running a bit yeah. behind time. Yeah. yeah. Well, Paul, we've rolled out. Like I said before, you were there waiting for us at 5 30 this morning. You're from Mildura, mate. Great to have you on board, thanks for coming out. Why would you want to come and meet us on this, uh,
6: this godly hour? Oh, some of us are fans of you, Mitch and uh, Rupert and some of the other guys. So it's uh, pretty cool to actually come out and meet you. We don't get too many cycling celebrities in Mildura. So you told me it's pretty hot, it's actually really nice temperature this morning. This actually isn't a
0: really early time for you. You guys like to head out about 5.30, is that to miss the heat? Yeah, pretty
6: much, and the traffic, although Mildura is pretty good for traffic. We uh, like to get out pretty early.
0: Look at that sunrise over there on our left. I can see why you like to go early, it's beautiful out here. Yeah, what do you think about the route that we're doing today?
6: A couple of roads that you have ridden, or is this? are we going out of town the right way? Yeah, we probably wouldn't come out this way, but uh, we do ride out here occasionally. We sort of stick to a very uh, consistent route that sort of follows the river out to Redcliffs. But uh, this morning's a good change for us. We'll follow you guys for a little while and then peel off. Awesome, well thanks for coming out. Let's
0: probably concentrate on what we're doing here. Well Peter, we're back in the press room, which is the last wheel of the bunch, the best position to be in. Tell me, like, uh, how are you feeling actually, fourth day in, something that, The feeling I got from you was, you were talking about, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, maybe I'll pull out, get someone to drive me (laughs) in. You're going along strong.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised with my uh, ability to pedal, um, but not surprised by my inability to feel comfortable for nine hours a day on the bike. Like, my triceps are getting sore, like the palms of your hands, the soles of your feet. Yeah. I'm starting to sit pretty side-saddle to nurse some sores and so my knees starting to hurt but I've just been loading the ibuprofen and yeah, I think um, the pedalling itself, because I've been pretty much in the press room for 26 hours now, (laughs) last wheel in the bunch isn't so bad, it's just that getting used to feeling uncomfortable all the time.
0: That's very, very true. For me, it feels like second third week on a Grand Tour. This is the sort of feeling you have, and you've got to race. I'm glad I can just relax a bit now. Um, we know a bit about you already, because you did the second podcast of last year's season, so I'm not going to go into your full story, because everyone's got to go back and listen to that. I'm not going to do it justice. We're not going to do it justice on the road here. It was a great chat we had, but but like, what about this, this trip? I know, I said before, you didn't envision yourself doing something like this. Why did you eventually get it over the line in your own head? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ride to Sydney, uh, Adelaide, the long ass desert way.
3: Well, I think uh, Jared was keen to do it. And then he pulled out last week. (laughs) That was probably my driving force. He's like my instigator behind doing things that are out of my comfort zone. And I, I won't lie, this has never interested me. Yeah. I've never been like, oh, I'd like to bikepack somewhere and be on my bike for eight or nine hours a day. Uh, the fact Ella was coming was yeah. really comforting for me, um, super fan of Lockie, <laughs> yeah. but I've actually enjoyed it. I think it's got a, it highlights a couple of the things that I love about the mountain bike scene and that's that on-the-bike bonding combined with the off-the-bike bonding. You know, we get to sit down at the end of the day at the brewery and, and have a drink and kind of reflect on the dark places we went throughout the day. And it's been more highlights than lowlights.
0: What about yourself personally? Have you noticed, like, because something I that I'm noticing now is, takes me a couple of days to actually get out of my life that I'm living day to day. And you know, the first day, you're still like, you know, I was near home, so you're talking about that and things are racing through your head. And second day, maybe you're not that concerned about it, but it wasn't until yesterday that I was like, I'm uh, not to get too, you know, philosophical, but like I was free and I was able to sort of just be a bit more present with what we we're doing. Um, you can hear him a little bit rough in voice now, that's due to the yeah. tough day yesterday.
3: <laughs> a dry heat. Um, I think, I mean, today's, to today's actually been probably the quietest of days. I think Ella and I have only been sleeping five hours a night, because even though we get to ride next to each other for nine hours a day, we still have so much to talk about. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't know, I, I feel like it's like a little bubble. You know, World Tour has its little bubble and and you go to a, you know, a, a mountain bike race and you feel like after a couple of days you're in a bubble and the rest of the world just doesn't exist. And that's what I feel like on this trip. It's just the six of us in this isolated semi-desert in the middle yeah. of Australia and yeah, just trucking along.
0: Doing our own thing at our own time. Yeah. Um, it's weird isn't it? All you gotta worry about each day is just riding. Um, what do you reckon you'd put out there to anyone listening who may have done a little bit of bikepacking or maybe thinking about doing it or a bit on the fence like you, I don't know if that's for me, you know, would you say, yeah, it's something or maybe you'd do it differently or what are you thinking now?
3: I would say if you're seeking an adventure to chase it and it doesn't have to be an epic adventure like this, Mm. like you can start small, it can be one day and I would say just be, you know, really careful about the, the company you choose because... That's to me the most important part. A lot of people can pedal circles, but you're going to want to enjoy the company you are.
0: We're in South Australia. We've gone back half an hour, but we've probably wasted another 45 minutes. So we're just back on track really, because coming across the border here, they're not only checked for fruit, because there's the fruit fly you can't bring the fruit fly in from Victoria the beautiful loving fruit fly i don't know why you guys don't like it over here but um we got we got told there because of the floods that we've experienced a little bit so far on our way into a beautiful place called Berry where we were, our accommodation was supposed to be tonight the bridge is actually blocked we could have got there in the end going rerouting around but it just meant it was for a longer day tomorrow maybe adding about 30 or 40k tomorrow already on top of 250 so we've been doing a little bit of office work haven't we sitting on our phones and calling ho- hotels and lock. we got there didn't we
1: yeah mate uh, slight change of plans basically if we cross the Murray now we were going to have a lot of trouble getting back over it tomorrow and I think we all agreed we didn't want to be just on the highway for 280 k's tomorrow. So we're now going to Loxton, um, which is staying on this side of the Murray. Uh, 40 more k's today. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll have a closer look at tomorrow's route when we get there. But it seems a bit like crisis averted, I think.
0: We've made it to Loxton. My question to all of us here as we sit around and listen to me talking to this is... I thought today was quite a predictable day. We thought, oh, yeah, it's 180. We're just going to roll in and, you know, recovery day. It's pretty flat, a little bit of gravel. So my question is, what was the most unpredictable thing that happened today? Peter, what have you thought about?
3: It's quite predictable. So I feel like I'm bucking trend here um, that your bike would have a flat battery.
0: Did get a flat, that's right. <laughs> Tommy, you ready?
5: How warm the Murray River was. When we got here and um, that was the first point of call was to get down there and have a bit of a swim. Um, It is still very flooded here. So we're wondering how sketchy is this? What's going on? And then the next unpredictable thing happened. Mitch got in the nud. So the man went skinny dipping in a flooded Murray River. And I don't know how many people have done that this season. You might have to write into the podcast if you've gone skinny dipping in the flooded Murray River before. I had a bit of a chuckle.
0: At what you
1: saw. (laughs) Locke. Uh, I think it was when we stopped in that little old train station there, can't remember the name, Oh yeah. and we kind of hung out there, we sat for a bit, slowly found water, there was no real purpose when we stopped, we all just kind of like went and sat in different areas, and then we opened the door to like the little house that was there and it still had like, it was kind of left as was of the era, like I guess it was like a thirties house, um, and it was a little spooky, but it was cool. I wasn't expecting everything to just be like sat there. No one had messed with anything. It was still kind of left as was. It, was. it was a nice touch.
0: It was like a museum, wasn't it? It was. It was like a spooky sort of museum where there was like a there was a baby in there, not a live baby, of course, but it was very freaky. I was a bit freaked out by that place, Ella.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to have to say that that town was also the most unpredictable moment of the day because we had anticipated that Moringa, which was this little town that was mapped in the route for breakfast, um, wasn't actually a town. It was a historic town with a bakery from 1920 that definitely still didn't operate. So I had to eat my Nectarine that I'd been carrying since Bunning <laughs> before the, um, the border crossing. So yeah, that, that was my unpredictable moment of the day.
4: Rupert Guinness. Well, the pressure's on me because everyone's stolen every predictable, unpredictable moment. I'm going to say, well, it's, it's a two-part unpredictability. First was when we hit that last stretch of uh, of, of um, I almost said pave, no, of um, uh, gravel. Yes, and 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 you put the vote in who's going to who wants to go down here, and I was quite comfortable sitting on bitumen on the edge with trucks going past through my experience of doing this Sturt Highway from Darwin to Adelaide. But deep down, I said to myself, why even put my hand up for a vote? I know what's gonna happen here. <laughs> and if what happened was predictable, okay. But I wasn't expecting that that patch of gravel to appear, okay. So that was the unpredictable part A. But part unpredictability part B was, um, and I finally got my head around, okay, there's 40 kilometers of this coming up. And it finished before 40 kilometres. Suddenly there was bitumen back again, and um, you know, um, I certainly I said to myself, don't make you, don't make yourself look too happy about this, even try and look disappointed. <laughs> but anyway, that was it. But again, I was, I was glad we had the gravel. I say that now because it was again, you know, about proving your bike handling skills and etc. So um, I'll see if I say that tomorrow. I sh- I'm sure I will after a couple of beers in Adelaide. It was a
0: really nice roll in. Now, I think everyone agrees here. We came in through the, the vineyards of Loxton and it was a nice finish, opposed to what we sort of got presented because we had to re alter the route, think on our feet, get a new hotel. And um, we were supposedly being 20 kilometres ahead of schedule tomorrow, but because of the river, we've had to reroute again. So we've sort of actually increased by 6k. Um, 256 tomorrow, 100k of gravel unpaved, 150k of roads. Next time we'll speak to you in the morning, I guess. Tommy, first toilet break, 20k in, sun's
5: come up, how are the legs? Morning mate, um, the legs are actually pretty good today, maybe we're over the hill. It's been a quiet start, it's been peaceful, other than the big three trailer
0: road train that just went past, but... Yeah, all good, mate. Is all it good. psychological at this point? Surely it has to be. You couldn't have physically got better in, what is it, 12 hours?
5: No, nah, you're probably right there. Um, it's probably the fact that we are about to be on roads that I know, mm. so it does feel a little bit shorter, and I'm just trying to forget about the whole 250k to go part, but <laughs> it, does, <laughs> uh, it does feel good today. It's nice out here.
0: It is nice. It is nice. We've got some big gravel sectors today. I think 40k gravel sector straight up, a couple of k respite, and then another 35k sector. So saddle up, Ella. We've just slotted back into second wheel. How are you feeling this morning?
2: I think I have a bit of like finish line fever, so I'm feeling pretty good and yeah, really excited to get there.
0: A couple of hundred k to go. You think? Obviously, it's psychological, but how's the body feeling?
2: Um, yeah, like everything's definitely starting to get sore, they're big days, like even my like triceps are sore from just holding myself up.
0: It'll be nice to get it done. I woke up this morning and was like, you know what, I think today's going to be just perfect. I don't need any more. I'm happy we've got the last challenge. Are you feeling like that?
2: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Mate that's a lot of water isn't it as we head into Blanchetown.
5: town yeah i haven't been across this bridge too many times but um there's water where it shouldn't be to be completely honest
0: tell us a little bit about where we are because we're starting to get a little bit closer into adelaide now um we've just done a massive gravel sector and we're heading into Blanchetown town for breakfast 100k in the tank tell us a little bit about around here
5: um yeah this spot is pretty special to me actually we've got a um uh, family shack that's uh, four generations old now. 30k down the river from here. But um, oh, similar to yourself where you took us through your local town, I feel like I can, you know, feel like that older bloke who's trying to show everyone around. You know, it feels nice to be back. Um, but yeah, looking forward to breakfast.
0: Tommy, where are we at this bakery, your favourite spot? Mount Pleasant. What's the bakery called? Mount Pleasant Bakery.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thought so. And what... What do you love about this, joint? You normally come out here when you're training, don't you?
2: Yeah,
5: I've been known to pop in uh, every now and then. They normally do a great donut, big old pie.
0: Pies are great, very nice. I just had a pie myself. But girls, what I wanted to ask you is how are we feeling? We've got a couple more climbs to go and then it's just a sweet roll right down from Stirling into Adelaide.
3: I'm good. I've popped uh, six Nurofen today, so my ass is feeling plush and I'm perky.
2: I think I'm just running on a high that this is it now. Like I'm, I'm tired, I'm graveled out, but yeah, it's like we're going to make it is the sort of energy we're carrying into this last bit.
0: Gravelled out, that is a very good point. I am graveled out too. It was a lot of gravel today. We did 100k of gravel and three sectors only, 40-40-20. Rupert, bit sad the gravel's over?
4: Mate, I was just, uh, I was just getting into the swing of things. <laughs> How are you feeling at this point? I think the last the last 12 days have started to catch up with me now. We're just over 2,100 kilometres and, yeah, feeling the pinch right now. But obviously we're getting there to the end. So I'm also feeling really, really excited about, you know, the uh, about getting to Adelaide, but also just sharing the experience with everybody when we get there because it's been quite a, an amazing five days in so many ways that I could say right now. But uh, I think the next 67 Ks will be... A hard 67Ks, but will be a fun 67Ks. It's time for you to get back in the press room with me. Let's do it. Poor Rupert. Yes, Mitch. It's taken us
0: five days and probably about a 1,000K to finally get back in the press room for our official interview. I know we've been (laughs) back here a fair bit ourselves. Let's actually get back up into the room. We're falling out of the back of the room here
4: for a Already, minute. Already, you know me, I'm a slow starter. Bit of a diesel. It's been a little bit faster than you used to. Yeah, it certainly has been, Mitch, and uh, can only be good for me. It's been an exciting five days. It seems to have gone f- to have flown by now, when you look back on it. It's been
0: hard. Look, it's been hard for everyone. I know you've been suffering along the things. You came into this with a lot more load, and that's actually what I want to ask you about. Because I knew you, Rupert Guinness, I knew you as a rider, as a pretty infamous journalist, like <laughs> a pretty famous, um, and then, you know, a cycling journalist among other sports. But I didn't know a whole lot more about you until I went across as a bit of a, I could loosely say, a journalist myself to the Tour de France. So, the last couple of years, just a little bit, and I started hearing this, these legendary stories about this Rupert Guinness. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I then when I came back to Australia and I thought of this trip, talking to Tom Southern, look, I was a little bit oblivious to your riding side, and he said, why don't you get Rupert to come along? I said, Rupert who? He gets Rupert Guinness. I said, really, what do you think? So I guess I want to ask you first of all about you know, your your journalism side and you know yep. cycling, and I guess what sort of led you into that field into cycling anyway.
4: You know, back in the early 80s, I was started off my journalistic career as a copy boy or as a gopher. And then through there I got a cadetship, which is like a an apprenticeship. Back then you didn't have to have a university degree, you just had to have Uh, an ability to communicate, get a good story. Good writing wasn't necessarily a prerequisite either. (laughs) And as some people may say about how I write. But anyway, it's all about communications. So I started at News Limited. Part of my cadetship, we worked on different papers like broadsheets and tabloids, and in different areas of the papers, ranging from state politics to police rounds to the gossip column to the sports section, right? Which is where I finally found myself in the sports section of the australian newspaper and then i finished my cadetship down in melbourne and during that time you know those early 80s that's when phil anderson uh, was the first non-european to uh, claim the yellow jersey of the tour de france so i was captured by that story i was also rowing at the time at an elite level it was in that time i guess where cycling became uh, a bit more than an interest because when i gave up rowing uh in about 84 uh, i gave up rowing because i was already bulimic through, um, Having to get down to weight as a lightweight rower we had to get you wow. know weigh in like boxers and jockeys the bulimia was uh you know something that i struggled with for quite a while i still have it sometimes too so it doesn't go away wow which is another story i guess in itself but cycling i loved because at first i thought hey it's a sport you eat while you do it <laughs> when i was rowing, i'd starve all week just to do it. You know, to make the way. Yeah. So I thought, I'm in.
1: Yeah, Okay.
4: I came in through triathlon though. Okay. So I started writing stories, and I was still doing my triathlon. You see, my triathlon interest, which very quickly was the Hawaii Ironman, which I went and did twice. And it was when I was over in Hawaii that I met the editor, and I was in Colorado before Hawaii at the Coors Classic, which is where I met a guy called John Wilcoxon, who was then editing a magazine called Winning. Yeah. And. When I came back to Australia after Hawaii, I needed a job. So I quit my job to train for Hawaii. And I wrote to him saying, I've got an idea about possibly writing a book on Phil Anderson. Oh, wow. So I may come over to uh, Europe. I've never written a book on Phil yet at that point. But um, and he said, well, he's leaving. So they need an editor. So that was in 1987. I flew over to Belgium and then I was the editor of the Winning Magazine. So straight into the deep end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight into Belgium as well, like the heart of cycling. Yes, and um, we had an office in London too. But, it, but actually, literally, I went, I flew in, landed in London, and then I went to the London Bike Show the next day, and then whereupon it was already organized for me to interview Bernard Hino. Oh
0: my gosh.
4: And, uh, straight into it. Yeah, straight the next day. There I was interviewing Bernard Hino in my, uh, then broken schoolboy French. I thought, holy shit, this is a, a whirlwind uh, start.
0: locky we're just wrapping this up, mate. It's actually, it's always good to get to the end of any kind of trip, no matter how hard it is. Um, that f- sense of achievement. We just rocked up here in Adelaide, fresh cold beer. Quickly, mate, what's something you've learnt from this trip? Uh, I think uh, the biggest thing I've learned is
1: like the power of the group you know uh, I think we had a very mixed group this week a lot of varying abilities um, and the challenge was obviously to cover the distance but also to do it in a way where everyone could enjoy it uh, and be challenged but also as comfortable as possible um, and yeah that was a unique challenge and I think I learned that that can actually enrich the experience you know uh, I've done a lot of things that are solo um, and it's really refreshing um, to get in a group group situation and yeah learn learn from others
0: and what's one thing you may have learned or enjoyed from one of the other members
1: uh, I think I learned a lot from everyone you know we had a lot of time to chat with everyone in the group this week I think the the biggest thing is it's more reformation than I guess learning but just that idea that when uh, people put themselves like this is a kind of trip I'm very comfortable with in a lot of ways like this is what I guess what I'm good at Um, and so to see a group of people who aren't comfortable in this situation put themselves in that situation uh, and really That kind of thrive in that, like adversity. I guess it just kind of reaffirms my beliefs that it's good to get out and get uncomfortable. So I I
0: think that's, yeah, that's my takeaway, I guess. Ella, at the Rafa pop up, time to reflect on the trip. It's all over. What have you learned yourself from this trip?
2: Oh, I, it's a really hard question because there's so, many, there's so many things I could say I've learned about myself and about everyone on this trip, but um, it's a bit cliche, but really, like, attitude is everything, and everyone just brought, you know, really great attitudes to this ride, and I think, like, there were so many moments that we could have cracked and spat the dummy, and, yeah, I think attitude is everything.
0: Peter, it's all over. Um, A bit of a relief, but a bit of sadness is creeping in. What have you learnt from this trip?
3: Absolutely nothing, (laughs) no. I think I'm too uh, tired to answer that question properly, but I think uh, about myself, I have learnt that I don't personally enjoy challenges, um, but I do absorb the challenge uh, when I'm in a really great environment like I I enjoy experiencing challenges with other people. Yeah, I think if I was to do this myself, I would I would hate every minute of it. Uh, and I, I can legitimately say there wasn't, maybe I hated an hour out of the 40 hours that we've ridden in the last five days and I think that's pretty cool.
0: It is cool, I thought you hated more than that. That's great, <laughs> I thought you would have had a couple at least. Because um, I certainly didn't enjoy a couple. Roop, mate, we made it, finally to the bar. The pop Poppa, we're here. And it's a bit sad too, because it's all over. What have you learnt or enjoyed from the other members um, from this trip
4: oh, we could be here all night and tomorrow if I really wanted to talk to tell you give you the full answer but from a group that is so diverse in um, skill sets pedigree cycling pedigrees uh, age differences and their just general backgrounds I'd say that, that um, I've, I've really gained a um, not, not a rebirth in faith of Human spirit, but just a, a re- reaffirmation of of how good people can be and trying to support each other. Not, you know, d- just by uh, imparting experiences as you talk to them on these rides, uh, and also giving advice and tips on how to do things and to share their experience with you. And as we, you know, said, we came through. We we set off as one group, and we finished as one group. Uh, and I think the spirit of that is really embodied. You know, it grew every day, and I think today. Today was fittingly the hardest day, I think. But I think also today was really, everybody's spirits were so high collectively. Not just because we're going to get to the finish, because that's kind of sad now. But I think we all, we all knew that we are getting close to the end of doing something that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. And we were, we were all a part of that. We all helped each other. Tommy, we're back in your
0: hometown. We got you home from Ballarat. What a great trip, just like being on a Greyhounds good to be back in your home. I've got a couple of questions for you. What have you learnt from this little trip, this experience, riding back across the country? Mate, it was a
5: long time coming, but the week actually went fairly fast, didn't it? I think um, maybe just to sort of, might be a little bit cliche, but just slow down a little bit. And those long, never-ending roads taught you that you just need to keep on chipping and just slow it down a little bit because you can't race out there. And that was really cool. Like, just to just to take it all in and um, have some really cool conversations along the way with some good people. Yeah, I think I enjoyed that part the most. I've never done anything that long before ever. Three days were longer than my biggest training day. So,
0: yeah. What have you learnt or enjoyed from the other members in the group? You know, it could be any, all of them or specifically.
5: I think everyone's ability to like work together and you've put together a group of people here that, you know, it it could have gone wrong like 100% we're spending a lot of time together and let alone off the bike on the bike and um, I think the way everyone gelled together um, and no one complained once like that's crazy we're talking what are we talking 32 hours of riding in over 40 degrees every day and no one whinged yeah just like a really good vibe I enjoyed it yeah
0: What a journey. I had such a great time on that trip and I really underestimated how fun it would be doing it with a crew. A really cool crew. What did you think of all the individuals? I really just loved how everyone just Bonded. I had no idea that was going to be like that and it just worked out amazingly an amazing trip and I think we do as Rupert said have friends for life there guys I love being back and it has been a long off season thinking of ideas and preparing podcasts for you guys to listen to I'm so excited about this season coming I'm very excited about working with Rafa again on the podcast but also individually out on the road as a writer too I love wearing their stuff and you guys know how good the quality is, but I love their ideas about making people fall in love with cycling. That's what this podcast is about too. Just helping you understand all these cool adventures you can do and the intricacies about cycling. We've got a great team working behind Life and the Peloton this year, and I have to say a big thanks to Meg, who's come on board to help behind the scenes, but also Will, who puts these awesome episodes together for you too. Guys, our biggest thank you goes out to you guys for listening because it's you guys that keeps the passion there that makes me want to produce these episodes for you and go on these adventures and document it. So guys, until the next episode, welcome back and thanks for listening. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.